draw. <laughs> what have we here? Didn't expect you to come after me yourself. I'd have thought a supervillain would have sent his henchmen instead. Fool. Words have consequences. Oh, man. I was really planning on saving the main course for last. <laughs> Whatever. I'll just eat you up. Bones and all. Hello and welcome to another episode of Elegover the Podcast. I'm Abdullah and today we have a case of deja vu, if you can call it that, because we have our first returning guest to the show. Yeah, because we had a little tech glitch and it happens these days where technical stuff gives you an issue and then you have to come back. I hate it when my when my interviews get cut off. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's... So you don't... You, yeah, I, I, that wasn't me. That was somebody else just yeah, came um, in and said they didn't yeah, Well, um, yeah, Jessica Strauss, <laughs> you know, for everybody who doesn't know, she's she's involved in a little game franchise called Street Fighter. I, I never heard of it, but, you know, probably... <laughs> I don't know. It's small. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, but uh, long story short, uh, we re recorded an episode back in May, and you might have heard it because it's up, because uh, thankfully the audio didn't get corrupted and I was able to upload it, but I was kind of in a hurry. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll just upload what I got and, you know, move on because I got other people waiting in line and I can't postpone any of the stuff there. So, you know, if I postpone one person, then, you know, the whole stack of, the, the whole uh, house of cards falls and it's just a mess so i uploaded what i did and you know it was salvageable you know you know we covered a lot of ground which i'm not going to cover again because you know it's kind of useless but it is what it is and if you haven't listened to it you can go listen to it it's, uh, it's up on the you know the, the little to a little link on my twitter which is dark it was a cliff it's a cliffhanger <laughs> we were you know that's what it was yeah yeah enough them in sus suspense like oh she got cut off what happens next well i mean a group of ninjas came <laughs> in and we had to fight them off that's what happened exactly that is what happened i do remember and then there was also some frogs <laughs> <laughs> and a few squirrels there were squirrels as well i always have to have some animals in there you know, you can just imagine whatever you want. Whatever happened, happened. Squirrels in the internet, frogs in the internet, ninjas we had to fight off, and now we're back. And we're back. That's so not what today, happened. <laughs> today, I didn't have any breakfast. I'm only on coffee, so watch out. <laughs> no, 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 don't watch out. But I've just had my coffee. I haven't had any breakfast. Oh, well, so you got to wait for that to kick in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's kicked in, but that's all I'm running on, so that's it. So, all right. uh, you know, speaking of Street Fighter, it's it's kind of weird looking back on, on what the future holds for that franchise. I know you can't really talk about anything specific, but let's just say... Let us just say, like, they got something big coming up, like Capcom, you know, usually, at, you know, during, you know, because Evo's coming up, and Lord knows they're going to have something for that. But let's just say if, if you know, they do make a big announcement, what do you think this, the future holds for the series? Oh, well, I think it's going to do really well no matter what they do. I mean, I think they're at the top of their game. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm the last to know what could happen, you know, with the franchise and what they're what they're planning. The the actors are the last to know. We we learn about it when we walk in the studio. So 
that's I, I but it would be exciting no matter what I think um it, I would love to go back and do some more jury that would be awesome I'd be up for that but it would be interesting to see where they take the characters you know like I, I've talked about this before like it would be interesting to see how jury was before like if they did a before she lost her eye and, and lost her parents and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, it would be interesting, like, into the future, does she kind of soften and become, does she, is she half evil and half good? She kind of is. You know, I always thought it was, and, and all their other characters, interesting just to explore their storylines further and develop them further. That, I think that would be exciting. Well, I mean, there is a sequel to, to Street Fighter V. It's called Third Strike because technically, if you follow the story, the fifth story is the, is a prequel to Street Fighter III. Right. So, and Jerry did not exist during that time, so it's kind of weird. So then I wouldn't be in it <laughs> unless they, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I don't know, uh, anything about what could happen, but I imagine things are always happening behind the scenes with well, a franchise it's, it's, doing well. It's, you know, cause, cause, you know, the Street Fighter, you know, cause Street Fighter, I think, is, is one of those things where, you know, each game has a different iteration. You know, we've had like tons of Street Fighter 2 versions and we've got tons of Street Fighter 3 versions and Street Fighter 4 and, you know, mm-hmm. arcade, arcade edition, you know, of Street Fighter 5 yeah. dropped and it's just, it's one of those things where they don't go by numbers. Like, mostly, you know, most sequels go by numbers. Capcom was like, okay, we'll just come out with a new edition of the same game you played, like, last year. But we have different stuff now. Yeah, they always are adding characters. So that makes it exciting. It's, makes it fun for them, too. And it's it's so weird because when you really think about it, the final fight, the uh, 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 franchise exists in the same universe as Street Fighter, which is weird. <laughs> well yeah so yeah so you don't know what's going to happen next don't know or maybe you do sometimes the fans know and they shouldn't know but they somehow know well i mean capcom is is notorious for putting in like fake names and, and you know the data mines to, to throw people off right i mean i know that yeah. happened a lot with street fighter 5 where it's like oh so and so is in the game oh no it's fake turned out to be oh, someone right. else they like to create the drama, get people interested. Because I don't know if you know this, but people leak shit online a lot. No! <laughs> you're kidding! <laughs> no, I I can't remember. Was it Street Fighter? I can't remember. It might have been where things were leaking out way before, like people knew. I think it was Street Fighter Five, and I started getting hints from fans on my social media. And I was like, what are they? They, they shouldn't know this stuff. <laughs> But, yeah, they try to keep it top secret, which is really hard these days. Yeah, I mean, the Internet age and, and everyone, like, you know, is cracking these codes down and getting early copies. And it's just a nightmare. And it's even frustrating as an actor because, you know, someone on Twitter is going to come up to you and say, hey, weren't you in this thing? And it's like, I can't comment on that. Sorry. Yeah, and I've had people post sometimes where – is this you? And they'll find a clip and they'll be sure it's me. And then sometimes I'm like, where did you find that? And sometimes it isn't me or they've got a clip from something else. It can get really confusing. And I go down to IMDb and most of those credits are mine, but somebody has posted something a long time ago that I never did. So you never know what you find on the internet. Most of it, I'm sure, is true. You cross your fingers. 
But then some of it, I was just on my IMDb page, and I was like, I don't think I did that project. And then there's some projects on there that I did, and I don't think they're listed. But, yeah, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's why I kind of I kind of don't use IMDb anymore because if you've listened to the show, you know I've made a lot of mistakes based on IMDb credits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I I don't know that you did that. I'm not saying. Uh, well, I mean, I I I I miscredited someone for directing something that they were credited they didn't. on for for on IMDb, yeah. but they didn't do that. I had like someone right. literally tell me like on air, like, oh, I, I need to correct you. So-and-so did not direct that. They only directed, you know, this, this, this you know, so-and-so. Right. So, well, but I read it on IMDb, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, that you, you're not, it's, it's a guess. I mean, people, I guess anybody can get in there and, and list stuff and I need to go in there and, uh, revisit it. And sometimes you ask, for them to delete it and they they don't so and then other times you might be on the game because they reused your voice so that's that's another possibility oh yeah um, stan lee being credited in in post uh you know post uh, uh post uh, uh stuff that he did that he did years ago that they just reused another in in uh games because i know that that uh in the second Lego game, like the second Marvel Lego game, they reused his old uh, clips from the first one. It came out in like 2013, so it's kind of like, it's kind of creepy <laughs> that you no longer yeah. own your voice. Yeah, that's why, yeah, games are different. Every uh, every aspect of voiceover is different, although Stan Lee might have gotten some kind of kickback for that. I'm sure he didn't need it at the time. No, I mean, I just, I just, I just find it weird because, like, in in some cases, like, I know, like, I know this is gonna sound weird, but it's true. Um, Nickelodeon owns the voice of SpongeBob. Like, Tom Kenny is legally not allowed to do that voice outside it without without permission from Nickelodeon. Oh, even for fans. Like maybe at conventions, yeah, but like you know, if it's if it's him like doing interviews, he cannot use that voice ever. Oh, really? Yeah, because they because they legally well, own it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess at that point, sure. I I never even thought that they. I would think in interviews with fans, they would be like, "Yeah, do the voice," because that's what people want you to do. Well, I mean, I've had other I've, I've had other people that 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 say they can't do the voice because you know legally because <laughs> they don't own it. <laughs> oh, I've never had I've never had that before. That's interesting, but that could be a new thing. Sure, that they have them do that. I mean, because it, it's it's kind of interesting because okay, you know, how long before they can? Because especially like with Toy Story Four, because you know Don Rickles passed away, and and all the stuff they used was stuff that he pre-recorded, and they edited in into into um, into the movie. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, how long before? All the voice actors that we know now won't 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 be working anymore, and they're just going to be using like archived clips of them. Like they how can't. long before that's going to yeah, be the they, future? They don't have to be, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, no. They have to write new lines, otherwise you're saying the same thing over and over and over again. That's just come on. We don't want to take it that far, unless people are, you know, their attention span is the is, is of a, a gnat. Or an ant or something where they're, they can't remember what was said in the previous series or sequel or whatever. I mean, you never There's know. <laughs> they could sentence mix it. You never know. If, if we, if we lose our imagination and we lose our ability to grow, we're all gonna 
stagnate and the planet will end because and it'll start with games if we start doing that, repeating all the lines over and over again. I mean, and, and I think like even like because sometimes you get called in to do like uh, background noises or something like that or like NPCs. You know, we we have this battle because I've talked to people they, they they tell me like they they you know they. they you mean like Walla? Yeah, Walla. Like they they uh-huh. get they get called in to do like oh we need. Uh, Sounds of soldiers dying, you know, get yeah. so and so and let him do that. Mm-hmm. And, and they get yep. credited for that. And yeah. you would never know. Oh, well, the thing, yeah, I mean, uh, Walla, but they're doing it to picture. So they're doing it specifically for that project. So whatever you're cheering for or whatever you're dying for, the words that you're saying or that are coming out of your mouth is in reaction to what you're looking at, at yeah. on the screen. So. You know, for them to redo that again, it wouldn't be authentic to what's going on in whatever project they're working on. I mean, to, to reuse those kind of things. They could, but it's a lot of work. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, a lot of, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot more of that now where I, so-and-so is getting credited for additional voices and it's like, oh, they probably called them in to do some wall of stuff and, and like the battle scenes. Yeah, or a lot of times there's a lot of, you know, side characters and you don't, you, you gotta get two or three lines of side characters. Cause like you can get called in to do, I've gotten called in to do little kids and then I do an old lady and then I do a heroine and, and you do all different kinds of people, but they only have a few lines. So you're able to jump around and do those, uh, quickly. So it's a skill. Well, you know, you I, come, you come <laughs> in and, and you come in and you're like, Oh, can you say this? You say it and then you leave. That's how, that's pretty much what voiceover is. You say it and you leave. No, you, uh, you know, like if you're doing a little girl voice and then you gotta switch it to a little boy voice and then you, you know, you're talking like this and then, um, you have to switch it down here. And oh, my cat is in the room and it's not, she's knocking over things. And then as you move down, you, um, might get a little bit older and, have problems breathing and I don't know. And then you might die. But <laughs> I, I was just realizing my cat is in the room and I was hoping that she wouldn't come in. I hope she doesn't come over here and start knocking things down. But anyway, you know, if you go into a session and they, it's not always, um, just doing call outs. It's, it's changing your voice and doing different characters really quickly. So we got this line for you. And sometimes you don't even know what the before and after is. You just have to make it up. And I think the key to being good at that, at least for me, is being able to be, jump into a character really quick. So I haven't, I've done, I've done those. Yes. Yes. Recently. Well, I mean, so. you have a lot of video game credits because I looked at your IMDb and I'm like, wow, she's been in a lot of video games. Yeah. I mean, I've lost track. It's over a hundred, I know, but I'm sure there's actors that have done a lot more than that. But, um, and then I, I really enjoy, I haven't done a ton of it, but I've done some kids animation. I really enjoy the characters in that because I love doing, you know, it, Jury's pretty evil, and I've done a bunch of evil chicks or powerful godlike women, and those are really fun to play because I guess, you know, my voice, my natural voice is deep and resonant, and I can be loud. <laughs> but I like playing little kids, too, because um, I, I like the opposite of, of finding innocence and finding that kind of joy uh, that I had when I was a kid, and I still have it as an adult, but... I, I just really enjoy some kids stuff, doing kids projects as well. So, you know, uh, I think being versatile, I don't think they can copy being versatile. 
I mean, they can, but it would take a long time. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can, you know, edit in how how many performances you want, but it's not going to sound authentic. (laughs) You can tell it's edited. Right. And I think there's something about um, creating a character in the moment and having it be spontaneous and real and when you listen to it it affects you and it's not gonna if you computerize everything it's not as it's not as authentic or interesting or um doesn't affect people as much because they're just reprocessing so i think people are i think today the trend is being authentic and being heart-centered and i and i think and real people want People want that. And it's interesting in music, I think there's a trend towards going back to some of the old music because I think it's not as digi- digitally produced. It, the people that were working on the, the music from a long time ago, um, maybe not that long ago, but in a different age, they just went off and, and soul searched and wrote songs. And I think, um, people want that more these days. Some people, maybe not everybody, but I think, I think that's become, um, kind of hip to, so I, I mean, you know, we're starting to see a lot more, you know, in the music scene, if you, you know, if you pay attention, you know, we're starting to see more artists come up with more experimentation and more, you know, varying genres and subgenres of, of stuff that didn't exist, you know, back in, you know, the 2000s. And I think that's great. Yeah, it's variety. good. I like, there's, there, it's good to have variety. I just, sometimes I listen to some of the stuff and when it's really digitized, I was just hearing a, a, a song. I can't really remember what it was, but the guy did something technically to his voice and it, it, I was just like, I don't even know who he is when he's singing. But some, that's not true of all the artists. Um, I think I just saw, was it the Jonas Brothers? I really like them. I saw them perform on Saturday Night Live. But anyway, we're talking about music. We shouldn't be talking about music. I mean, music is, is, you know, I think one of the things that, that, um, you know, we, you know, a lot of musicians also, you know, do voiceover as well. And I think, you know. Yeah. So it's all, it's all, you know, they're, they're great. They make great voice actors because, you know, they, they're used to using their voice on a daily basis. Yeah, and using a microphone, and I got into singing in the last couple of years, and it's really helped my voiceover because it strengthens your voice. And um, the, some of the breathing that I learned from this one teacher really helped um, make me more aware of my body and, and, it, and also probably saves me when I yell in games. So. And they ask you to yell a lot now. <laughs> They do not as much as when I first started, you know, things have changed a little bit because of everything people there. There's much more information out there for actors about how to protect their voice in games. When I started, that wasn't available, but I came in with a knowledge of it just because of all my stage training had a lot of vocal training along with that. So I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, I was... like, like, for instance, that character that I played, I know when we left off the last interview that the character that I played in Dishonored 2, which was Dr. Hypatia, she turns into a monster. <laughs> and I had to do that monster voice. So that wasn't yelling, but I had to figure out a way to pitch my voice to do the 50, 100 lines that the monster had without hurting my voice or losing it. So that's, that was, that, so that's kind of stuff like that. Um, um, so we're going into a whole other region besides singing, but that's, but singing even helps that because it makes you aware of where your body, where you pitch your voice in your body and where you can resonate it and relax into it without straining your voice. So you can have to relax into being a monster. Just relax, be a monster. That's what I did. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and it's kind of it, it's um it's weird when they ask you to do like monsters because you have to really think about okay what type of monster you know are they like hairy are they like aquatic are they mutated or what yeah i mean <clears throat> mostly you don't have time to think because they just give you the lines and um i mean i did create it for the audition but um i think it's not for me it's you, you do have to think about it, but it's actually what is a monster where what is a monster after they're hungry? So well, I think what I thought about is connecting to my gut and being really hungry. And also you connect to your anger and your um, your animal instincts. And then depending on where the what kind of monster it is, it's where you pitch your voice. Like, you know, if it's a big monster, then it would be a lower voice a lot of times. Um, but it you know depends if they're a hungry monster or a friendly monster, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what I, I think about. Uh, what does a monster want? Usually, it's food <laughs> or to kill something. <laughs> so you have to connect to that feeling, or that's what I do. Especially if it's like a feral monster. A feral monster. Most monsters are not tamed, although some are. If they're it, and they're friendly in cartoons, so then they're not really connected to their animal instincts. So there we we went we went a whole circle. Music and monsters. What else can we talk about? <laughs> well I mean that's 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 what I find interesting about voiceover. It's not just, you know, coming in and recording lines with your voice. You know, there are other aspects to it I think that a lot of people tend to look over. Just like oh. doing, you know, creature voices and old lady voices and young boys and all that stuff. Yeah, because um, when you're, it, I, I think improvisation is so important because if you're able to switch characters and then maintain them, and then also vocal health has become really important just in the forefront in LA. Like they have meetings and seminars now about vocal health where a doctor comes and says, here's what you can do. Here's what happens to your vocal cords. But I think if you're well-trained vocally, like if you sing or if you have stage training, then you're less likely to strain your voice. And some people are just lucky or they just know not to, they know to relax into it. And it's hard. I'll tell you this much. It is hard to die and scream and relax into that. (laughs) It's not the easiest thing because if you're acting like you're dying, you're going to be tense because it's a tense situation. So that's always been the trickiest, but, um, yeah. I, I think, and especially like sometimes, you know, you kind of, you know, have to move around a little bit to get it to sound authentic in the booth. Oh yeah. And I think one, one real good trick for me is get your arms up over your head because it raises your uh, diaphragm and it puts less, less pressure on it and taking deep breaths. So if you're doing a yelling scene and you don't want to strain yourself, Make sure that your chest is really lifted, not not tense, but lifted and free so that your breath and your neck and your voice is completely as loose as possible and allowing as much air in as possible to support, support your death. You want to support your death. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, it, must, wait. it must have been a nightmare recording all those like Street Fighter grunting sounds. No, those aren't hard. Street Fighter was not the hardest. I think the hardest, and I haven't done a lot of them because there's more men in those games that are war games, but the war games are, there was one war game that I did where I was just like after three hours, it it was, my voice was gone. And that was a long time ago. Um, I don't even know if they do those kind of recording sessions as much anymore. They might 
But war games are the ones where that's tough. All the lines being yelled in battle. So oh, yeah, um, what was it? What's his name? Uh, Dave Dave Soboloff, you know, said in I think in an interview that he almost blew out his throat by doing one of the Call of Duty games because he was yelling a lot. Yeah, Call. I haven't been on Call of Duty, so <clears throat> I'd be a little afraid at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because 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 it, because you know because you know you're a feet you know because he was playing you know a field sergeant and you know he was on the battlefield and he had to yell a lot and it's like oh. yeah <laughs> no it's it's still de- and um you definitely have to be with a it's really helpful when the director is on your side and realizes your voice is I haven't had one of those sessions for a long time but I do remember director is very supportive and um. Uh, if they're on your side and they know when to stop and give you a rest so your voice gets a rest and then you keep going. So if you have a director that realizes those things, um, then it's really helpful. I mean, they kind of have to. Well, they do, or the actor has to ask for a break. Sometimes, yeah. So it just depends who's in charge of the session. But I haven't had as many of those kind of sessions where there's so much yelling where – I've only had a few of those in my career, but I've always had parts in games where there's yelling, definitely. So, I mean, it needs to sound authentic. You can't just have it, you know, have it sound like they're in a booth. You have to, you know, sell the audience on the fact that you are this character and you are in a battle scenario and you are fighting for your life. Oh yeah, it's a workout. I mean, you're if you're really into it, your body is into it. Any kind of character that I play, I try to, especially when I'm first trying to find the character, it's great to find it in my body first, you know, have a, the way you're holding your body. So you can't really be playing a hero and be slumped over, usually. <laughs> you got to be <laughs> very chest and centered and proud, you know. So it's all in how you hold your body. And um you have to be aware of being in front of the mic and not getting off mic and all that kind of stuff. You don't have the freedom that you do on stage where you move around. But, uh, yeah, it's not just going into the booth and doing the voice. It's it's becoming completely the character. You know what I'm saying. And, you know, a lot of people have, you know, on-camera actors like have a lot of problems, you know, transitioning from on-camera to voiceover because it's just a completely different, you know, process altogether. Yeah, because they're not talking to, you're not looking at anybody in the scene. You're looking at a piece of paper and it's all your imagination. So. I mean, sometimes they'll, they'll come in and show you like a picture of the character if you're lucky or give you context, but most of the time it's just, okay, you're in a battlefield and you're fighting a giant robot. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times you're in the script. I mean, they'll give you a picture, but a lot of times, especially for games, They'll jump around. So, okay, here, you're yelling, and you're really mad. Okay, now here, she's dying, and she's really sad that she's dying. And so you have to jump around from those emotions, being able to, and, and here she's really happy, and she's laughing. Oh, my God. You know? So you have to be able to manufacture those emotions quickly, and you can jump Depending on the character, they'll have you jumping around doing all that stuff, and you won't necessarily know how you got there. Sometimes you will, depending on who you're working with and how they're organizing the session. But often you have to just switch it off, switch switch around quite a bit on how you're feeling and yeah. be ready to change on a dime. Yeah, that's another thing that people don't really take into consideration. Where you know you guys record sometimes out of order, and you know one you know one minute you're angry, and the next you know you're happy. 
Right. <laughs> it's kinda, you have to be 100% all the time. You can't just, you know. Stop. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you're in a session and they haven't given you the before and you just kind of have to guess. You kind of just go, I think this is what character means right there. And then the director comes in and says, no, 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 this is happening. And you, uh, you know, you're moving kind of quickly and then you just adjust and you move forward as you give them different types of takes on a line, you know. So if you were going to say, um, look, I'm really enjoying this interview. Hey, I'm really enjoying this interview. I'm really enjoying this interview. So those are three different ways to say that. <laughs> and and maybe those maybe those ways uh wouldn't be what they're looking for, but whatever's on the paper, um there's there's different ways to fight, there's different ways to be um assertive, there's different ways to be sensual, there's different ways to catch people's attention, you know, whatever. So you have to be able to come up with a bunch of different ways to stay aligned. And make it authentic and real. And sometimes they ask for, you know, different takes for of the same line, and then they use the one that they like the best. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes they're not sure, like, oh, what did come before that? We've got so many characters in this game. Let's just try these bunch of different ways, and we'll see what fits. <laughs> so it just depends, you know. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's kind of one of those things where you know with Street Fighter you don't have to really worry about it because every character is kind of over the top and stupid in their own way. But and, and you know it kind of doesn't matter if 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 uh, if you know what they're saying is you know 100 percent you know uh, accurate. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't. I'm not sure. What? Oh, you mean authentic? You yeah, mean authentic, like sorry, that's ah my brain <laughs> authentic. Sorry. Yeah, I think, I think, but that's, some of those characters, you know, some of the lines are funny, so it just depends on the type of game that you walk into. Like, some games are more serious than others, some are more filmic, some are more comedic and cartoony. I think Street Fighter is sort of in between, depending on the character you're playing. Jury is, is funny, in a way, to me, because of how she's written, and she's got some great lines, but she's, she's, she's a little over the top, but, but still, that has to be based on me believing when I walk in the booth that I'm her. So I have to believe it. Otherwise, other people don't believe it. So if you're just playing SpongeBob, if you're playing SpongeBob, you have to believe you're SpongeBob. Well, yeah, I mean. So people if, will listen and go, "Oh my God, SpongeBob is in trouble." They have to, to, you have to believe it yourself. So it's, it's just, it's really just kid stuff. It's just playing. Well, I mean, this isn't that the life of an actor. You, you have to. You know, sell the audience on the fact that you are a killer cyborg or whatever, that you are yeah. a dictator, that you are a super soldier or whatever. Right. And you're in a situation where you're not playing make believe in your backyard like you were in a kit. You are playing that, but you're in a booth and you have a microphone in front of you and there's people on the other side of the glass. And sometimes there's people from the gaming company or it's from animation or whatever and they're executives. And so there's a whole you still have to perform. You're in a situation where it's not natural necessarily, right? It's not a natural situation to be in a dark box and just pretending to be all these characters. So under, you have to get used to taking direction and then realizing the more people that are in the booth, it might get, um, you might get all these different opinions of where the character should go. So you have to be able to go with that and keep, keep the fun happening, you know? So you're by, you're like a one woman, one man show in the booth. 
But if it, if you're working on an animated show, then you have other actors, and that's really fun. I, I always like those. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just much better to record ensemble than it is to record alone. Well, yeah. I mean, I like it only because then you're playing off the other actors, and you have someone, and then when they're doing tech stuff, you might have someone to talk to in the booth. <laughs> And um, you get inspired by what they're doing. Well, I mean, and, and it kind of, I think it brings out, you know, it, it inspires a lot of people to, to, to come in and do the best they can because they know they're working with, you know, really big names and they don't want to come off as, you know, half-assing it. I don't think you ever want to come off as half-assed. But, you know, I don't think you can walk in with that. You have to walk in with... Um, at least for me, I've found over the years when I, when I, when I started out, I used to be nervous and what would help me is I'd really breathe into my nerves and kind of accept them and say, well, how can I channel this into the character or how can I channel this into my session and release this energy into something that's going to help this project? But also as when you, so when you're first starting out, you might be nervous, but then the bottom line is, is what are you creating? You're creating a game. You know, it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. Or you're creating an animation that's supposed to be entertaining. So um, no matter how much pressure is going on around you or going on behind the glass, which is sometimes there and sometimes not, you have to carry in that sense of fun. You have to um, um, be your own cheerleader, kind of. Um, and that's the job. The job is that you come in and entertain people. <laughs> Or you come in and be the character 100%. That's the job. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't just come in and, and not be committed to it and just, you know, treat it like any other, you know, 9 to 5. Yeah. Or, you know, when you start out, you might be nervous, but you have to find a way to use your nerves and overcome that. And um, sometimes nerves can help you find uh, interesting things in the character. Because it's all just... Not- and sometimes, you know, when 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 you know you first start out, it's kind of like, yeah, this is okay. But you know, as you as you get used to it and you get used to the to to the process, you get better. Yeah, and it happens and a lot in an animation. And I think the first directors that I worked with, Mark Handler, Mary Elizabeth, those people um, were really good directors, and so they help you. Um, they help you find the character, and they direct you in a way that makes you feel like it's safe. And so um, I, I think that it's not just the actor. It's it, The director comes in. If you if you have a good director that really knows the project and guides you, then uh, you can create something really wonderful. Well, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, looking back at, you know, the career of Andrea Romano and all the stuff she's done, I don't think any of the shows she's, she worked on would have been half as good if anyone else had directed those shows. Right. So the director really uh, makes a huge difference because if they've spent time with the script and they know what they want to create, everything everything that you do, they might like something that they hadn't thought of, but then they also know when you're not being authentic or they know when they need another take because that wasn't hitting the mark. And then um, they also know what to say to you to paint the picture in your mind so you give a better performance. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing where and it's their job to, you know, Make it work, you know, to wrangle everybody in, to, to make sure that no one, you know, goes too over the top or steps too out of line or, you know, does something that, you know, it's kind of, that kind of ruins the whole flow. They have to, you know, keep everything in balance. And that's kind of, it's, 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 uh, 
Must be really challenging with with shows with bigger with big casts that recorded in, on a, in an ensemble. Those those sessions must be nightmares. Yeah, for the director, yeah, the more yeah. the bigger the cast. Oh my god, trying to get who's talking to who and what are their does this sound like the other character? And so the director's job is not that easy, depending. Yeah. I think that's why, you know, most of the Fox shows record separately because they have, like, too many people doing uh, various characters. And, like, okay, well, just it's much easier just to have them do, like, the table read and then just have them record separately. <laughs> it's much easier on us. Yeah, but also maybe those actors aren't all available at the yeah, same yeah. time. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, Seth MacFarlane works on, like, three different shows and he's probably not going to be around for all of them, so... You know, but yeah. in, you know, in the booth, have them record for all these shows, and you know, we'll go, we'll go with that. Yeah. Wait, it's like I get double the fun with this interview. We're doing double the fun just because I got cut off. <laughs> <laughs> double fun. It's like double my gum. <laughs> double, uh, my, double my gum. Yeah, how did that go? I don't know. Double the fun. Double Jessica. <laughs> With Abdullah. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I, those, those commercials are always weird because it's like, okay, it's double mint, so everything has to be double. We have to have like twins in every ad and we have to emphasize the fact that it's double. Otherwise, yeah. people are stupid and they can't tell. That's an old commercial. That, I was thinking, that really has stuck in my mind because I don't even know that those, they have those commercials, but they were really good commercials because it because I you still remember them. So. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, we got cut off. You know, by by this time. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about any specific projects, but. Um... Well, I mean, most of the time I tried to to you know because I know everyone's under NDA and I don't want to accidentally spill the beans on something that 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 uh isn't out because i know you know producers and whatnot and and the industry gets real upset when you do so we mm-hmm. can't really touch on everything anything specific <laughs> right but um yeah so um I, i'm trying to think of what, what question i wanted to ask but i didn't get a chance to oh yeah um because you you do a lot you did you do a lot of anime dubbing um, and and a lot of a lot of the more known uh, voice actors are that that uh, that moved on to animation started out in dubbing. And so my question is, do you think do you think anime dubbing is a is, is a rite of passage everyone has to go through at some point? I don't think everybody has to go through it, no. But I think it's become much more mainstream because I mean, when I started, I, a lot of the shows that I did uh, ended up on Cartoon Network. And, but it's a different contract than animation. So it's not like you can make, it's, it, <laughs> it's a totally different contract when you dub. But the thing is, is that I think it's actually more mainstream and more accepted today because of the popularity of anime. I mean, anime has become huge, right? There's so many conventions and cosplayers. I mean, that was true way back when, but I think it's even more true now. But certainly the industry has changed with, you know, all the digital stuff. They've definitely gone through growing pains. But I don't think I'm an expert about what's going on in dubbing today. I've done a, some shows, um, but more, I've done more games in my, in, in my career than I have done anime. But I, um, was on Little Witch Academy. 
I did a voice on that and let's see what else. Purple I did Purple Thorn. Um what was that? Oh my gosh. I'm totally forgetting. That's a I was like looking up all my credits and I was thinking, Wow, I, I don't even remember all of the the stuff. Um Well I mean I yeah. think you know, the biggest one you're known for is Wolf Strain. Oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Wolf Strain. Yeah, that was um and I did uh, Appleseed. I was the lead in Appleseed, the first movie. Oh God, I heard that. That's, that's taking me back now. I know. So really, I did start my career in dubbing, but I also was doing games at the same time. But I think because um, and sometimes the Japanese want a lower voice, but a lot of the Japanese women still to this day, they have a higher pitched voice. And so a lot of the women that have naturally higher pitched voices, I think my voice was a little bit higher when I started, but um, there, the women with naturally higher pitched voices probably have a little bit of an in, you know, because that's who they, that's their natural pitch. And so they sound more like the Japanese in tone. Like how many Japanese women have a really gravelly voice? Not a lot. But jury, they allowed me to, there still are, still are characters that I can play. But the, but if you think of, when I hear the Japanese, it's so it's always really up high, you know, something like <clears throat> no, I've had coffee, but anyway, <laughs> you know that I could pitch it up here and talk like this, but they might um, choose somebody that already has a higher pitched voice. So it doesn't mean I don't do it, but now I think the the roles I find that I'm playing are um, some of the the evil chicks or the older older women in the in in anime. Um, so it, to answer your question, what is it? Uh, I think, I think somebody getting in through anime today, um, does have a better chance in voiceover. It doesn't mean you have to get in that way, but it actually teaches you a lot of technical skills that can really help you in other projects because it teaches you timing. It teaches you how to get into character really quickly. You can listen to somebody else's performance and get inspired by that, even if it's in another language and it gets, uh, gets you used to working really quickly and changing emotions really quickly because that's what happens in a dubbing session. Um, and since it is the most technical, if you have already have like an acting skill, then when you get into an animation session or a session where you're in a game, you're used to switching it up so much from dubbing. At least that was my experience. So when I started out, so it really helped me fine tune the technical side of my acting. And I, and you learn a lot about character development by matching someone else's performance or, or sort of matching it depending on the series. So yeah, I think, I think it is a good way in. I don't think it's the only way in. I think there's all different ways. I think, you know, uh, you just got to go with your gut as to where you belong, you know, or what opportunities are open to you when you, when you step into voiceover. No, I mean, I asked because, you know, looking back at Wolf's Train, most of the people who, who, you know, worked on the English dub for that are now big name voice actors that are doing animation. Right, right. It was a cell world. I was just like, what in the heck was the name of that? Purple Thorn, that's right. But um, that was the project, very bad. I forgot. Yeah, it's true. Um, but not everybody in animation, so there's a lot of really big animation actors that might have done some dubbing, but I don't think they necessarily started their career doing yeah, that. Yeah, true, but, but, you know. So it's not like, oh, you have to do that and get in. That's a way in, but it's not the only way. Well, I mean, you know, we, we've, you know, I've heard the, we had people from anime, we've had from, uh, radio, 
you know, back when radio was a thing and you could get in from that. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> radio. I didn't do any radio except for commercials, so, but the people that, I know, the radio's still around, but people don't think about it or listen, uh, it's not your mainstream. The, the mainstream isn't listening to radio all the time, I don't think. Maybe some I mean, people. It's, 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 I think it's, it's one of those things where it had trouble adapting to, adapting to, um, to the streaming, just to streaming and podcasting and all that stuff. And I mean, once podcasts yeah. became popular back in like the, the 2000s, like we can get radio for free. We don't, you know, need, you know, to subscribe to whatever to get our radio. I know now they have stuff like Pandora where you can just choose what you want to listen to. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cha- I mean, everything, and that changed um, music too, digital. Yeah. Um, you could get it through radio, and uh, mostly a lot of people come in from through three through uh, theater, which I think you know helps a lot because you already have the um, acting experience. Yeah, it really it does help to come in with some with a lot of good acting experience and know how to take direction. So I mean, that's what I love about voiceover. The voiceover world is like no, no person, no, no, uh, not everybody you talk to has the same entrance story. You know, some come through anime, some come through radio, some come from you know stand up, some come from yeah, you know, I think, all sorts of places. You know, I think when I was trying for on camera, it, if you did a really good audition, it was based on two, how you, did you look like the character, and so I think a lot of voice actors, I think the majority of voice actors are highly talented people that just work behind the scenes because they don't have to look like the character, but they do have to be talented. And so I actually think, you know, there's stars that are made that you're like, oh yeah, they're sort of a good actor, but they got on this really popular show and they just do themselves. And doesn't mean, it doesn't take away from what they're doing, but um, I think voiceover, you, can, you can't get in if you're not talented. There's less of a chance. <laughs> And, I mean, you have to have skill as an actor to get into voiceover. Uh, unless you're you're talking about, hey, everybody, I guess we got sort of cut off there at the end. And if you would like to connect with me on social media, you can find Jessica Strauss. It's under Jessica's voice a lot of times on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I even have a YouTube page. Uh, you can just look up Jessica Strauss, and Strauss is spelled with S-T-R-A-U-S, one S at the end. And I love to chat with you there on any of those platforms. But mostly, I would say the majority of people so far have been on Twitter. Instagram, I just started this last year. So but anyway, that's where you can find me. And I enjoy talking to the fans and whatnot. Yep. Don't I, laugh at me. <laughs> yep. I turned back the recording for that. <laughs> That was exciting. That was my end. And so another chapter comes to a close. Thank you so much and for coming oh, back. Thank you. As the world turns. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.